0: You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, this is Amanda, and you're listening to the Art of History Podcast. <music> Hello, and welcome back to the show. I pushed this week's episode back a bit because A, life got the better of me for a minute, and B, I wanted you to have some spooky history to listen to in the week leading up to Halloween. Today's story is a little bit mysterious, so I'm hoping that whether you are a true believer or a skeptic, there will be something here for you. If you're new to the show, the premise here is pretty simple. Each episode I select a work of art that can tell us a story from the past. Today we are looking at a photograph of Mary Todd Lincoln taken by William Mumler around 1872. I will be posting it so you can see it easily over on Instagram at Art of History Podcast, but you can also Google something like Lincoln Ghost Photo and it will come right up. I remember seeing this photo for the first time in high school during a US history class. I don't remember which one exactly because we had to take several, but this photo always stuck in my brain because I think my teacher presented it merely as a historical oddity with no additional context. I wanted to feature it this week as a way of both satisfying my own curiosity and sharing it with those of you who might be encountering it for the first time. So let's take a look at this photo together. What exactly are we seeing? This is a late 18th century photograph. It features a rather stout older woman dressed all in black. She has this ribbon-covered bonnet on her head and wears a voluminous black dress with full sleeves. She is positioned in the lower left-hand corner of our field of vision, with her hands crossed in her lap. She gazes into the camera lens with a rather mild, agreeable expression on her face. She isn't exactly wearing a frown, but the corners of her mouth do point slightly down. I also wouldn't call it a smile either, though. On the woman's shoulders are two ghostly, translucent hands. They are the easiest part of the apparition behind her to see, as they contrast with her black clothing. The rest of the figure standing behind the woman is, yes, hard to see at first, but the longer you look, it emerges almost imperceptibly out of the background. The beard and facial features of this figure are unmistakable to anyone who's had an American history class, as those belonging to President Abraham Lincoln. At first, he seems to be looking down at the woman, but if you draw a line from his eyes to represent his line of vision, you will see that he actually isn't. He's kind of looking past her. The woman who sat for this portrait is, of course, the widowed First Lady Mary Todd Lincoln. But she was decidedly alone when she did so. So how was this image captured and why? Was it a fluke or was it intentional? And what can this photograph tell us about the ways that Mrs. Lincoln and the nation processed the death of a beloved husband, father, and commander-in-chief? We're going to dive into all of those questions and more right now. This photograph was taken by one William Mumler, who worked as an engraver in 19th-century Boston and dabbled in photography on the side. The way Mumler tells it, he took his first spirit photograph in the early 1860s. Apparently this took him by surprise. It was a self-portrait that he had taken and developed, but after looking at the developed image, he discovered, quote, a girl made of light. He identified her after the fact as the ghost of his deceased cousin. He began to circulate the photo around Boston, recognizing its value as an object of curiosity, and soon he attracted the attention of the city's thriving spiritualist community. Spiritualism was a movement that thrived during the Civil War years, as Americans were witnessing the bloodiest conflict in our history. The deaths of some 750,000 Americans changed not only the way that survivors and their families understood death, but also how they mourned. Information about loved ones who had died in the war could be scant and hard to come by. Often, they died far away from their homes, and channels of communication from the front were often hindered. In many cases, bodies were never recovered or even identified. All of this made it extremely difficult for families to find closure or move through the stages of grief. As an outlet for their grief, the spiritualist movement makes perfect sense. This was a movement centered on the idea that the dead could communicate with the living under the right circumstances. For bereaved citizens who were seeking some form of assurance, traditional religion with its talk of eventual comfort in heaven was less equipped to put an end to their sadness than was, say, a seance with a professed spiritual medium who could contact the deceased directly and give the family solace on the spot. So, as word of Mumler's spiritual gift spread around, his hobby turned into a lucrative business and soon his bread and butter involved taking spirit photographs. Given the constantly rising death toll of the Civil War, I can imagine that he had quite the client base. Most of Mumler's photographic subjects—you can see other examples of his work online—assume similar poses to Mrs. Lincoln. Since the photographic process of the time required them to sit still for over a full minute, they look stiff and serene, their expressions are all placid and unreadable. One of the first questions I had when looking at the body of Mumler's work was how he knew to leave all this negative empty space around his sitters, and where should he aim his camera? Or did the ghosts perhaps see where he was leaving them a spot and obligingly fill it in? We may never know. Of the ghosts in the photographs, one writer described them as looking, quote, so fake that they must be real, and then so real that they must be fake. This is a modern-day view of Mumler's work, but it was shared by his own contemporaries as well. Photography in the 19th century was a booming and competitive line of work, and Mumler's colleagues were, understandably, deeply suspicious of him and his practices. A slew of investigators visited Mumler's studio to verify his methods, and most left his shop convinced that his work was legitimate. One of these skeptics was a man named James Wallace Black, who was a middle-aged professional photographer who, in 1860, when Mumler had gotten his first ghost on camera, had been busy capturing the first aerial photographs taken anywhere in the U.S. This was done in a hot air balloon over the city of Boston. Black first learned of Mumler's craft when a believer in the photographic products that Mumler offered brought a picture of his to Black's studio and asked if he could create a similar one. After scrutinizing the photo, Black admitted that he didn't think he could. Baffled, Black sent a shop assistant to Mumler's studio in what has to be one of the strangest undercover assignments ever— There, the assistant requested a sitting, and Mumler obligingly sat the man by the window, snapped a picture, developed it, and then showed the man a photograph that seemed to show not only his own likeness, but that of the man's deceased father. Reporting back to his boss, Black's assistant, well-trained in the photographic process himself, admitted that he had seen nothing amiss in Mumler's process. Black himself then visited the studio, where he dropped all pretenses and told Mumler that if he captured a spirit form in a photo, he would give Mumler $50. To this, Mumler replied, all I can say is, be thorough in your investigations. He offered for Black to take his camera apart and inspect the pieces, and even offered to allow him to develop the negative himself. Black declined, and when Mumler poured the chemicals on the glass plate to create the photographic negative, Another form became apparent, growing plainer and plainer every moment, until a man appeared, leaning his arm upon Mr. Black's shoulder. This was not even the final image. This was in the darkroom. This was the plate that had just come out of the camera minutes before. How could Mumler possibly have manipulated that? Black himself admitted that he could not explain how it had been done, but when he offered to pay Mumler for the image, Mumler instead gave it to him free of charge. Another photographer of the day tried to recreate Mumler's process, but found that he could only do so by printing two negatives, one after the other, onto a single final image. Despite the best efforts of so many investigators, both then and now, we still don't quite know how Mumler achieved these images. Many have theorized that his ghostly photographs are the result of double exposure, a process that involves opening the camera shutter more than once to expose the same section of film to different images. The final image then contains the multiple images superimposed over one another. Today, you'll mostly see double exposure used for artistic effect, but I'm sure you can also see how it could be used to create hoaxes. The ability to add people and objects into a scene when they weren't actually there did not begin with the invention of Photoshop. The double exposure process for Mumler could have also involved inserting a previously prepared glass plate featuring the photographic image of the quote deceased into his camera. This would be in front of an unused glass plate, which was then used to photograph his client. This technique not only captured the image of his sitter, but also the ghostly image from the prepared plate in the front. Another possible explanation was that Mumler was beginning to find new ways to control the chemical reactions on which the developing process depended. However he did it, all the evidence points to Mumler becoming a master at manipulating photographic images. In fact, he would eventually invent a brand new method of transferring images directly from photographs to newspapers. The mummler process, as it was later known, allowed printers to forego the usual middle step of having a photographic plate copied out by hand by an illustrator or an engraver and then translated into print. In this way, he revolutionized the ability to reproduce images by the thousand, and he helped to usher in a new era in which newspapers entered the picture business. Photographs would soon emerge as the standard of proof for whether or not something had actually happened, and they affected the way that Americans viewed the Civil War. You have to love the irony here. A purveyor of hoax photographs played a vital role in the visual culture that still drives our consumption of current events. I don't want you to think that the story ends here just because Mumler's work has been largely debunked. That doesn't mean that he didn't still play a major role in Civil War-era Americans' views of death and the afterlife. As no one was ever able to outright expose him, Mumler expanded his commercial operation to include a mail-order service. I absolutely love this. All you had to do was send a description of the spirit that you hoped to see, plus $7.50, And you too could see ghosts hold intercourse with mortals, as one spiritualist put it. Then one day, a visitor to Mumler's studio, perusing his work, identified one of the spirits as his wife. Not really a problem on the face of it, except that this man's wife was still alive and had posed at Mumler's gallery several years before. Mummler's success in the Boston area began to drop off as more residents started to recognize the spirits from his photographs as people they saw around town, who were very much alive. The skeptics began to outnumber the believers, and Mummler eventually moved to New York, where he set up shop in 1868. By the following year, he was arrested and formally accused of fraud and larceny. The ensuing trial made headlines around the world. It was more than a matter of just guilt or innocence. This was a referendum on the spiritualist worldview, as one commentator put it. But though the trial poked holes in Mumler's credibility, the prosecution, like all the others who had tried, could never prove how Mumler had perpetrated his hoax. And so he was found not guilty. He returned to Boston and mostly required from spirit photography in his later years, though he couldn't resist one last high-profile client, former First Lady Mary Todd Lincoln. I'm going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll look at the sitting between Mumler and Mrs. Lincoln. When I was ready to start podcasting, I read all the articles I could find on how to get started, which equipment to use, and so on. The one thing they all had in common was recommending Anchor as the best tool for first-time podcasters to get going. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it really is the simplest way to make a podcast. It's from the folks at Spotify, and it comes with everything you could possibly need to record and edit right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can easily distribute your show on listening platforms like Spotify, of course, but also Apple and Google Podcasts and many more. You can also receive sponsorships with no minimum listenership required. It is truly everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. And we're back. You might be able to hear a lawnmower or weed whacker in the background because even though it is late October, for some reason, someone in my neighborhood has a lot of weeds to get rid of. So... William Mumler's portrait of the widowed first lady is so notable because it also shows that ethereal Abe looking down at his wife and resting two comforting hands on her shoulders. The picture exemplifies the peace and comfort to the weary soul that Mumler marketed as his hallmark. Mary Todd Lincoln was herself a spiritualist, in part because of the losses she suffered throughout the 1860s. First, her son Willie had died of typhoid fever while the Lincolns lived in the White House. And then, of course, came the assassination of her husband in 1865. Mrs. Lincoln turned to spiritualism as a way of connecting with loved ones she had lost. In 1872, when she was visiting Boston, Mummler's reputation continued among spiritualists, and Mrs. Lincoln decided to pay him a visit. According to the story, she visited his gallery in disguise wearing a black veil and using a fake name. Paranormal researcher Melvin Willen claims that Mumler did not know that his sitter was Mrs. Lincoln, instead believing her to be a Mrs. Tundall. Mumler claims that he did not actually discover who she was until after the photo was developed. But when she walked into Mumler's studio, Mumler also claimed to see the spirit of Abraham Lincoln follow her in. As Mumler took the photo and gave her the image, it seems that no one was particularly surprised to see the very recognizable form of Mr. Lincoln standing behind her. When Mrs. Lincoln visited Mumler, she had full knowledge of his prosecution in 1869. However, she still chose to fully believe in the validity of the photograph, and it was widely circulated across the U.S. after the fact. Mrs. Lincoln was not the only person to find solace in the haunting image of her late husband. Americans also thought that it signified the father of the nation who had guided them through the Civil War was still looking over them. And it suggested that their own lost loved ones would also be able to find and offer comfort even in the next life. The assassination of President Lincoln had, of course, rocked the nation to its core seven years before Mrs. Lincoln sat for William Mumler. And as with most notable historical figures who met a particularly tragic or untimely end, There have been an abundance of ghost sightings associated with the president in the years since. The spiritualist movement at the end of the 19th century just added fuel to this fire, with alleged sightings of Lincoln's ghost beginning almost immediately after his death. Notable figures who claimed to have seen Lincoln's ghost or felt his presence include, just for a start, First Ladies Grace Coolidge and Lady Bird Johnson, President Theodore Roosevelt and First Daughter Maureen Reagan. Many of the sightings have emerged from those who stay in the White House's Lincoln Bedroom, a suite of rooms that the President once used as an office and meeting room. Not only have his footprints been reported in the hallway outside the Lincoln Bedroom, but President Harry S. Truman and his daughter Margaret both alleged that they heard a rapping at the door when they spent nights in there on different occasions. First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt's secretary is one of the many who reported seeing President Lincoln sitting on the bed in that room, pulling his boots on, an encounter which caused her to run screaming from the room. Eleanor herself never claimed to have seen Lincoln's ghost, but she did say that she felt his presence throughout the White House. She also said that the Roosevelt family dog, Falla, would sometimes bark for no reason at what she felt was Lincoln's ghost. Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands heard footsteps outside her White House bedroom when staying there in 1942. She got up to answer a knock on her door, only to find President Lincoln in a frock coat and top hat standing right in front of her, at which point she apparently fainted. But my favorite ghostly Lincoln tale comes from the British Prime Minister Winston Churchill. During World War II, Churchill paid a visit to the White House himself, ostensibly to discuss the war effort with President FDR. Churchill famously liked to end his days with a soak in a hot bath and a cigar, so that's where he was on the evening in question. When the Prime Minister rose from his bath, he saw a tall, transparent figure leaning on the mantelpiece in his room. He quickly identified the apparition as, of course, President Lincoln. Apparently, he was deep in thought and paid no mind to the naked, cigar-wielding prime minister. Churchill quipped, Mr. President, you seem to have me at a disadvantage, to which Lincoln's ghost responded by smiling softly, as if to himself, before vanishing. Churchill, the famously unshakable bulldog that he was, requested to spend the rest of the night in a bedroom across the hall. The last reported sighting of President Lincoln's ghost was in 1980, but rest assured that he isn't the only member of his family to still inhabit the White House. The ghost of his 11-year-old son Willie, who had died in the White House in 1862, is apparently also in residence. Willie's ghost was first reported to have been seen in the White House by members of U.S. Grant's administration in the 1870s. Almost a century later in the 1960s, President Lyndon B. Johnson's daughter also claimed to have seen Willie and to have talked with him. But let's return to the end of the 19th century, when an estimated 8 million Americans had turned to spiritualism. As a grieving mother and a mourning widow, Mary Todd Lincoln is a prime example of the type of person who would have been very comforted by the thought of seeing and communing with her loved ones on the other side. It was her son Willie's death that made her first turn to spiritualism. Willie was described as the favorite of everyone who knew him. And Mrs. Lincoln, after delving into spiritualism due to her grief, once told her half-sister, Willie lives. He comes to me every night and stands at the foot of the bed with the same sweet, adorable smile that he always has had. Mrs. Lincoln would continue to be plagued by tragedies as her life advanced, including the deaths of two other children and, of course, the grisly assassination of her husband before her very eyes. She began to process her grief by attending seances hosted by the Lauries, a well-known group of mediums who lived in Georgetown. But she eventually progressed to hosting her own seances in the Red Room of the White House. It's thought that her husband even attended a few of these while he was still alive. But when Mrs. Lincoln returned alone to the White House after the president's death, she stayed in bed for 40 days, grieving alone very deeply. Those who knew her could see that she was suffering from not only a broken heart, but also a break from reality. She flatly refused to leave the White House, even when the next president, Andrew Johnson, started pressuring her to let him move in. Spiritualism does seem to have been the only thing that helped her, Mrs. Lincoln firmly believed that, quote, only a slight veil separates us from the loved and lost. To me, there is comfort in the thought that although unseen by us, they are very near. Author Peter Manso, curator of American Religious History at the National Museum of American History and an expert in spiritualism, says this of the Mumler photo. Seen one way, it is simply a photograph with her deceased husband. Seen another way, it is the image of a portrait of the entire nation's struggle with the grief of the Civil War and struggle with the haunting loss of President Lincoln. But the most meaningful and poignant way to see this image is simply as an image of solace, as something that this woman in her moment of mourning and grief desperately needed, something that Mumler was able to give her as solace. Mary Todd Lincoln's contemporaries, who did not buy into spiritualism, wrote her off as a slightly unhinged widow given to hysterics at the slightest draft or knock on a door. In 1875, her one surviving son, Robert, even had her briefly committed to a sanitarium, claiming that she was squandering all her money on that spiritualist mumbo jumbo. And yes, today we might understand this photo as a hoax. But as a method for overcoming grief and finding a way to carry on after loss, it was invaluable to Mrs. Lincoln and to all those who suffered unimaginable losses during the Civil War. And I think that makes it just as real as if Lincoln himself had been seated in William Mumler's studio. I hope you enjoyed this brief look at one of America's most famous ghost stories. If you did, I invite you to take a minute to rate the podcast, leave a review, or check out some of my past episodes. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about this week's episode or what you'd like to hear next, I would love to hear from you. You can shoot me an email at artofhistorypod at gmail.com, follow me on Instagram at artofhistorypodcast, or Twitter at arthistoricpod. And I continue to make royal history videos on TikTok at MataofFact. of fact. That's Mata M-A-T-T-A, underscore of, underscore fact. There are some spooky royal history videos over there right now if you're craving some more ghost stories. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch up with you all in the next one.